Tēnā koutou te whānau o Auckland Unitarians me ngā Unitarians o te ao. Tēnā koutou ngā manuhiri. Nau mai, haere mai. Haere mai ki tō tātou whānau. Haere mai ki te hui o te rā nei. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā rā tātou katoa. My name is Rachel and it's my pleasure to be leading the service today. So the words of welcome, come, come whoever you are, come and welcome. Welcome to you all, to your joys and your sorrows, your memories and your hopes, your nightmares and your dreads, your bodies and your hearts, your mysteries and your minds. You're all welcome as you are and as you will be. May you be whole here with cracks and all. May you share in this community. May we be connected gently, our humanity entire. May we use what we find here to add light and lightness to the world. Now my um, words for the chalice lighting come from poet Glenn Colhoun, who is a GP as well as a poet. If you have a candle at home, this is the time to light it and ask if someone in the church could please light the church chalice. When I am in doubt. When I am in doubt, I talk to surgeons. I know they will know what to do. They seem so sure. Once I talked to a surgeon, he said that when he is in doubt, he talks to priests. Priests will know what to do. Priests seem so sure. Once I talked to a priest, He said that when he is in doubt, he talks to God. God will know what to do. God seems so sure. Once I talked to God, he said that when he is in doubt, he thinks of me. He says, I will know what to do. I seem so sure. And now it's time for the covenant. If you um, know the words, if you could say them with me. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is the sacrament and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve humankind in fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony. Thus do we covenant with each other and with our God. Um, So this is Anthem by Leonard Cohen. The birds they sang at the break of day, start again, I heard them say, don't dwell on what has passed away or what is yet to be. Ah, the wars they will be fought again, the holy dove, she will be caught again, bought and sold and bought again, the dove is never free. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. We asked for signs, the signs were sent. The birth betrayed, the marriage spent. Yeah, and the widowhood of every government. Signs for all to see. I can't run no more with that lawless crowd while the killers in high places say their prayers out loud. But they've summoned, they've summoned up a thundercloud. They're going to hear from me. 
Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. You can add up the parts, but you won't have the sum. You can strike up the march, there is no drum. Every heart, every heart to love will come. But like a refugee, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. That's how the light gets in. That's how the light gets in. And now, the reading. It sounded like a reading, but it was a song. So I've chosen this reading because tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day in the United States. It's a public holiday that marks the birthday of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It is his actual birthday today, and he would be 93 if he was still alive. The poem is by Hone Tufare Ngāpui, a New Zealand poet who would be 100 if he were alive today. He was a sometime attender of our church, but in general was not a churchgoer. And he wrote this poem at the time of King's assassination. Martin Luther King. In Vietnam, they're using a new rifle shell that's a real honey. It describes a tumbling parabola that could punch a hole in you a foot square. Check. But when that 30 six made a bloody mash out of your jaw, it didn't stop there. Kept ploughing right on through to drain the marrow out of your dream. That bullet wasn't meant to grunt an apology, the meanie. When you slumped down, mankind was hurled back a billion years to a jellyfish. Let's face it, King, when news of your death came through, lovers all over the world turned each other on, rolled over and turned the radio off. But you were hip and you never did fancy, fancy names like Uncle Tom or Handkerchief Head. You really dug the scene, man. From Birmingham on, you stuck your neck out, opened your big, black, beautiful mouth to protest about the high cost of dying in Vietnam. And you marched, armed only with a dream, a dream held aloft in your red-hot, parable-picking hands. Hell, your continued existence had become an untidy question mark sloshed across the American Declaration of Independence. Yeah, and that is why they shot you, King. Before your light was snuffed out, you asked for a song sung real sweet. Hell, this ain't much. Treacle in my veins. Death cart rumble in my ears. And now my musings, which I've entitled, That's How the Light Gets In. That's why we had to have the words, even if we couldn't have the song. If you think about the vastness of space and how enormous our galaxy is and how big our planet is and how small we are, I'm not really eating all that much cheese. Thanks to Kay for finding and sharing that.
In this past week, we've experienced some heavy things. As we've heard, Shireen Caldwell has had a stroke and is recovering with the support of her son, the public health system, and the love of this congregation and her other friends. Clay has been in hospital again with persistent low haemoglobin levels. Betsy Marshall has been in ED with complications from COVID. Betsy is a person who is constantly caring for others. For her, the weight of the situation may be more than physical debilitation. It may also be grief at having to temporarily suspend her role as caregiver to the several friends that she has always been present for. We've also had joyous and momentous news from our new member, Jandara, who in adulthood has found family she didn't know until now, most of whom she didn't know existed. Even joyous events can carry a weight as we readjust our sense of who we are and our place in the world. My own situation has some heaviness and darkness in it. The inversion of the caring relationship with my mother, who has advancing dementia, takes some major adjustment, both for me and for her. She has been looking after herself for 70 years and cannot do so any longer. Sometimes she understands this and at other times not at all. Her keen intelligence is still there, but its application is increasingly random. The responsibility of my job can also weigh heavily. I have a senior role in a private sector union whose task is to aggregate the diverse interests of the working class across multiple industries and to organise to advance those interests. While we make quite impressive progress against long odds, often the task seems impossible. Look at how long the powerful have been powerful. Look at the resources they employ to keep it so. Impossible? Also, my partner has been ill. He nearly died last year. One of the things we do as Unitarians is to engage in a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We sometimes say that we are living the questions. We are living the impossibilities of our various lives. It has a weight. It can be dark. I've mentioned just a few of us by name. We all have experiences that weigh heavily or feel dark, at least some of the time. We live in this exquisite tension. It is the task of humanity to live through this. Last week, Ted quoted Stephen Fry, whose view is that language is what makes us human. At the time, I thought, what about music? Oh, but birds also have music. And then I thought, does it matter? Do we have to distinguish ourselves from the rest of the universe? Maybe the question of what makes us human is irrelevant in a universe where we are made up of atoms, just like everything else. Where a solid desk at the atomic level is more space than matter, as the electrons whiz around the nucleus of each atom in space. The same goes for cheese. In a hat tip to Stephen Fry, I note that there is language for this situation, of course, in the form of this quote. The best thing you ever done for me is to help me take my life less seriously. It's only life after all. Which is from the song Closer to Fine by the Indigo Girls. 
In this universe, we are learning that we have more in common with that family of birds called corvids, ravens, crows, magpies, etc., than we used to think. Turns out they are quite brainy too. Maybe we aren't so special. This perspective may bring some light and some lightness to make the weight of our realities supportable, a crack in the conceit that we are exceptional. The reality may still feel heavy. We may be atoms, but we are not ectoplasm, so we might as well make the most of the way matter is arranged to form us. We can still search for truth and meaning. Just as matter is made up of much more, than, much more space than substance, so language is made up of much more silence than sound, much more gap than word. Along with music and art, language gives us a framework to navigate our existence. So how do we deal with the heaviness and the darkness? How does the light get in? Sometimes the cracks can be burst open for us by a joke. I'm not really eating all that much cheese. Sometimes an image will do it. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. If you think about that image, language really is the key. When children are learning language, early picture books introduce opposites. Opposites are early maths at primary school. Big, small, up, down, in, out. In Leonard Cohen's line, that's how the light gets in, he uses the word in. In. Surely light gets out. No, it's the opposite. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. I fear that to analyse the image any further than that will drain it of its magic. I prefer just to contemplate in silent wonder. The light gets in. The silent component of language is where the light gets in. Words as well as silence can bring light. My reading was a poem from Hone Tufare, written in Aotearoa in 1968, at the time Martin Luther King was assassinated in the United States. It contains both darkness and light. It contains this image, armed only with a dream, a dream held aloft in your red-hot parable-picking hands. The words here are dense, and they contain cracks for the light to get in, armed for a fight. But this fight is one of non-violent resistance, armed only with a dream. The dream is held aloft, a beacon of hope and the possibility of a better world, a light. And then we have red-hot parable-picking hands. The subject of the poem, Martin Luther King, is African-American, descended from cotton-picking slaves in Georgia. Martin Luther King, though, picks parables. In Horne's image, he has turned that dark history around to build a beloved community. There is a crack in everything. 
that's how the light gets in. Hone offers us other light too, sometimes more simply. Here is another of his poems. This one's called Yes. I like the way you slip out of your things, pausing between zip and catch of breath as if you are punctuating a movement, a phrase of love. God, it cheers me when you move with purpose, animal grace and awareness of the urgency with which agents of locomotion take us from A to Z, table to bed and back to the floor again. Hip, hip, yes. And I love the way our limbs construct a superstructure to a heavenly accommodation. Cheers me no end. We may find ongoing or transitory light in language and poetry and words and silence. It might take more. We might need also to forget our perfect offering. Friends have said to me when I tell of the three things going on for me that can weigh heavily, an apparently impossible job, a mother in transition, and a partner who, because of illness, is doing a lot less housework than he was. Words to the effect that I am under a lot of pressure. So what do I do? I sit in stillness. I work to forget my perfect offering, offering simply what I can. I try to remember that it's only life after all. I forgive myself when I feel hopeless, because hopelessness is an understandable reaction. I bend myself to wearing it all lightly. Tread lightly. Do what I can do and don't fret about the rest. Enjoy what I can enjoy. A cup of tea, a deep breath, warm air, cool water. Accept help. Trust that the world will keep turning, the electrons will keep spinning in space. Know that, and the words of Joan Baez, every day on earth is another chance to get it right. Amen. Okay, now it's time for extinguishing the chalice. So we extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. So the closing words are another poem. I'll write the poet in the chat. Um, by a poet called Sinead Morrissey. Um, and it's from a book called There Was Fire in Vancouver. And the poet, poem is called The Juggler. The Juggler. He must have practised for hours between the bins and the mattresses of a rented backyard to dance the seven painted skittles off his fingers like that. He has the game whittled to art. God knows what anachronism he took up before, using medieval skills to stop time. He puts the clock back 900 years with his sideshow for a quack or diversion for a king. Still, or because of the drain of things modern, we ring him with faces. He knows how we anticipate failure, 
and that what he owes his audience is a defiance of breakdown. We watch as his magic creates the radiance of a spinning blue arc brought slowly to a standstill. Natural begrudges, we are nevertheless caught by the weightlessness, the controlled mechanics of air, with all the improbables conjoled into truth. We are not as far out from faith as we were. The question starter is um, these questions. Where is the crack in you? How do you let the light in? And how are you doing letting go of your perfect offering? <laughs>